Hello and welcome to another episode of Dr. J's Shakespeare. I'm Dr. J. For today's episode, we turn to Shakespeare's comedy, The Merchant of Venice. The Merchant of Venice contains a phrase now common in our daily talk, even with those who don't know where it comes from, a pound of flesh. The pound of flesh in The Merchant of Venice is the pound of flesh closest to the heart of a character named Antonio, which he is bound to forfeit to a character named Shylock, should Antonio not repay on a specified day money Shylock has loaned him. When the day comes and Antonio is unable to pay, Shylock takes Antonio to court to demand his pound of flesh. This courtroom scene, which occupies the majority of the fourth act, is the heart of the Merchant of Venice, rather than the three marriages that take place in Act Five, as we expect in a comedy. The structure of the Merchant of Venice is thus problematic. The essential conflict between the law and human feeling is centered on two characters, neither of whom is a party to the marriages that make The Merchant of Venice a comedy. The connection is at most tangential. Antonio has borrowed the money from Shylock in order to give it to a friend who needs it to present himself as a proper suitor to the wealthy young woman, Portia, who by her father's will cannot marry below her fortune. But this aesthetic problem isn't the only problem viewers today have with The Merchant of Venice. The perhaps greater problem is this. Shylock, the villain, is a Jew, and Antonio, his intended victim, is a Christian. And this isn't just a coincidence. Shylock's villainy is directly tied to his Jewishness. Shylock is a moneylender and a usurer a negative stereotype of Jews. By contrast, Antonio, the Christian, is known for loaning money without interest, and it is this very Christian generosity that puts him at the mercy of the Jew, who is without mercy. Judaism itself, and not just Shylock, seems the villain, and thus the Merchant of Venice, in anti-Semitic play, reflective of the anti-Semitism of its day that we can no longer accept, much less enjoy, today. At the end of the trial scene, Christian mercy not only triumphs over the law Shylock insists on, but in Shylock's defeat he is forced to convert to Christianity, which seems to me, at least, to be worse than unnecessary casting a pall over the whole play. Yet, I can't completely let go of The Merchant of Venice. A close look at the trial scene reveals both why I'd like to and why I can't. Before reading it, let me back up and set the scene in more detail. The central love plot of The Merchant of Venice is the courtship between Portia, a young woman of wealth who has recently lost her father, and Bassanio, a worthy match in every way that matters, 
but without the wealth necessary to court Portia in accordance with her father's will, which Portia is bound to follow. Bassanio turns to his friend Antonio, a good-hearted and wealthy merchant, the titular merchant of Venice, to borrow the money. At just this time, however, Antonio's money is all bound up in trading ships that are at sea. He advises Bassanio to turn elsewhere for the money, which he, Antonio, will guarantee with a bond to come due after the return of his ships. Bassanio turns to Shylock, the Jewish moneylender, who agrees to lend the money, even without interest, but only if Antonio signs a bond which states he will forfeit to Shylock a pound of his flesh if he fails to repay the loan on its due date. In their bargaining, Shylock tells Antonio that he is doing this to be friends with Antonio, who has in the past gone so far as to spit on Shylock in contempt of his Jewishness. Antonio declares he will do so again, but nevertheless signs the bond. That Shylock is doing this either as a gesture of friendship or simply as a jest we already know is false, because on first seeing Antonio, Shylock has whispered his wish to, quote, get Antonio on the hip, end quote, in order to feed the fat ancient grudge he bears Antonio as a Christian. By the third act, not surprisingly, at the same time Bassanio was wooing Portia successfully with Shylock's money, we learned that all three of Antonio's ships have been lost at sea and that Shylock is bringing Antonio to court to force him to honor the bond. On learning of this, Portia immediately offers to pay the debt three times over if necessary, if Shylock will then excuse the bond, but Shylock refuses. In the courtroom, Shylock reminds the Duke of Venice that if the bond is not enforced, then no bond can be considered safe in Venice, which the Duke reluctantly acknowledges. The Duke reveals that he has sent for a renowned doctor of law, Juan Bellario, to advise him as to what should be done. At this point, Portia, the hero of the play, enters the courtroom disguised as a young doctor of law named Balthazar, sent by Bellario in his place. Portia, thus disguised as a man, takes center stage. She begins by urging Shylock to show mercy in one of Shakespeare's most familiar speeches. The quality of mercy is not strained. When Shylock continues to refuse, Portia then acknowledges that the law must be followed, much to Shylock's delight, but then turns the tables on Shylock, as you will hear. The scene is long, over a hundred lines, and I'll read it mostly in its entirety, skipping only a few lines that are irrelevant. One thing, though, that isn't relevant, but that is too interwoven to skip, is the peculiar state of mind of Antonio through all of this. From the beginning of the play, Antonio has been depressed, 
and now it seems to be a matter of indifference to him whether he live or die. With that said, let me begin. Portia enters, disguised as a young doctor of laws named Balthazar. The Duke welcomes her. From The Merchant of Venice by William Shakespeare, Act 4, Scene 1. Duke. And here, I take it, is the doctor. Come, give me your hand. Come you from old Bellario? Portia, as Balthazar. I do, my lord. Duke. You are welcome. Take your place. Are you acquainted with the difference that holds this present question in the court? Portia. I am informed thoroughly of the cause. Which is the merchant here, and which the Jew? Duke. Antonio and old Shylock both stand forth. Portia. Is your name Shylock? Shylock. Shylock is my name. Portia. Of a strange nature is the suit you follow, yet in such rule that the Venetian law cannot impugn you as you do proceed. To Antonio. You stand within his danger, do you not? Antonio. Aye, so he says. Portia. Do you confess the bond? Antonio. I do. Portia. Then must the Jew be merciful. Shylock. On what compulsion must I? Tell me that. Portia. On no compulsion. The quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed. It blesseth him that gives and him that takes. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. It becomes the throned monarch better than his crown. His scepter shows the force of temporal power, the attribute to awe and majesty wherein doth set the dread and fear of kings. But mercy is above the sceptered sway. It is enthroned in the hearts of kings. It is an attribute of God himself, and earthly power doth then show likest gods when mercy seasons justice. Therefore, Jew, though justice be thy plea, consider this, that in the course of justice none of us should see salvation. We do pray for mercy, and that same prayer doth teach us all to render the deeds of mercy. I have spoke thus much to mitigate the justice of thy plea, which, if thou follow, this strict court of Venice must needs give sentence against the merchant there. Shylock, my deeds upon my head, I crave the law, the penalty and forfeit of my bond. Portia, is he not able to discharge the money? Bassanio, yes. Here I tender it for him in the court, yea, twice the sum. If that will not suffice, I will be bound to pay it ten times o'er, on forfeit of my hands, my head, my heart. If this will not suffice, it must appear that malice bears down truth to the duke. And I beseech you, 
Rest once the law to your authority, to do a great right, do a little wrong, and curb this cruel devil of his will. Portia. It must not be. There is no power in Venice can alter a decree established. T'will be recorded for a precedent, and many an error by the same example will rush into the state. It cannot be. Shylock. O Daniel, come to judgment. Yea, a Daniel, O wise young judge, how I do honor thee. Portia. I pray you let me look upon the bond. Shylock. Here it is, most reverend doctor, here it is. Portia. Shylock, there's thrice the money offered thee. Shylock. An oath, an oath, I have an oath in heaven. Shall I lay perjury upon my soul? No, not for Venice. Portia. Why then, this bond is forfeit, and lawfully by this the Jew may claim a pound of flesh to be by him cut off nearest the merchant's heart. Be merciful, take thrice thy money, bid me tear the bond. Shylock. When it is paid according to the tenor, it doth appear you are a worthy judge. You know the law. Your exposition hath been most sound. I charge you by the law, whereof you are a well-deserving pillar, proceed to judgment. By my soul I swear there is no power in the tongue of man to alter me. I stay here on my bond. Antonio most heartily I do beseech the court to give the judgment. Portia, why, then, thus it is. You must prepare your bosom for his knife. Shylock, O noble judge, O excellent young man. Portia, for the intent and purpose of the law hath full relation to the penalty which here appeareth due upon the bond. Shylock, tis very true, O wise and upright judge, how much more elder art thou than thy looks? Portia to Antonio, therefore lay bare your bosom. Shylock, ay, his breast, so says the bond, doth it not, noble judge, nearest his heart, those are the very words. Portia, it is so. Are there a balance here to weigh the flesh? Shylock. I have them ready. Portia. Have by some surgeon, Shylock, on your charge to stop his wounds, lest he do bleed to death. Shylock. Is it so nominated in the bond? Portia. It is not so expressed, but what of that? T'were good you do so much for charity. Shylock. I cannot find it. Tis not in the bond. Portia. You, merchant, have you anything to say? Antonio. But little. I am armed and well prepared. Give me your hand, Bassanio. Fare you well. Grieve not that I am fallen to this for you. Commend me to your honorable wife. Tell her the process of Antonio's end. Say how I loved you. Speak me fair in death. 
and when the tale is told, bid her be judge whether Bassanio had not once a love. Repent but you that shall lose your friend, and he repents not that he pays your debt. For if the Jew do cut but deep enough, I'll pay it instantly with all my heart. Shylock. We trifle time. I pray thee, pursue sentence. Portia. A pound of that same merchant's flesh is thine. The court awards it, and the law doth give it. Shylock. Most rightful judge. Portia. And you must cut this flesh from off his breast. The law allows it, and the court awards it. Shylock. Most learned judge, a sentence. To Antonio. Come, prepare. Portia. Tarry a little. There is something else. This bond doth give thee here no jot of blood. The words expressly are a pound of flesh. Take then thy bond, take thou thy pound of flesh. But in the cutting it, if thou dost shed one drop of Christian blood, thy lands and goods are by the laws of Venice confiscate unto the state of Venice. Graciano, a friend of Bassanio. O upright judge, mark, Jew, O learned judge. Shylock, is that the law? Portia, thyself shalt see the act. For as thou urgest justice, be assured thou shalt have justice more than thou desirest. Graciano, O learned judge, Mark, Jew, a learned judge. Shylock. I take this offer, then. Pay the bond thrice and let the Christian go. Bassanio. Here is the money. Portia. Soft, no haste. The Jew shall have all justice. He shall have nothing but the penalty. Graciano. O Jew, an upright judge, a learned judge. Portia, therefore prepare thee to cut off the flesh. Shed thou no blood, nor cut thou less nor more, but just a pound of flesh. If thou takest more or less than a just pound, be it so much as makes it light or heavy in the substance or the division of the twentieth part of one poor scruple, nay, if the scale do turn but in the estimation of a hair, Thou diest, and all thy goods are confiscate. Graciano, a second Daniel, a Daniel Jew. Now, infidel, I have you on the hip. Portia, why doth the Jew pause? Take thy forfeiture. Shylock, give me my principal, and let me go. Bassanio, I have it ready for thee. Here it is. Portia, he hath refused it in the open court. He shall have merely justice and his bond. Graciano, a Daniel still, say I, a second Daniel. I thank thee, Jew, for teaching me that word. Shylock, shall I not have barely my principal? Portia, Thou shalt have nothing but the forfeiture to be so taken at thy peril, Jew. Shylock. 
Why, then, the devil give him good of it. I'll stay no longer. He begins to exit. Portia, tarry, Jew. The law hath yet another hold on you. It is enacted in the laws of Venice, if it be proved against an alien, that by direct or indirect attempts he seek the life of any citizen, the party against the which he doth contrive shall seize one half his goods. The other half comes to the privy coffer of the state, and the offender's life lies in the mercy of the duke only against all other voice. In which predicament I say thou standest, for it appears by manifest proceeding that indirectly, and directly too, thou hast contrived against the very life of the defendant, and thou hast incurred the danger formerly by me rehearsed. Down, therefore, and beg mercy of the duke. Graciano, beg that thou mayst have leave to hang thyself, and yet thy wealth being forfeit to the state, thou hast not left the value of a cord. Therefore thou must be hanged at the state's charge. Duke, that thou shalt see the difference of our spirit, I pardon thee thy life before thou ask it. For half thy wealth, it is Antonio's. The other half comes to the general state which humbleness may reduce unto a fine. Portia, I for the state, not for Antonio. Shylock, nay, take my life and all, pardon not that. You take my house when you do take the prop that doth sustain my house. You take my life when you do take the means whereby I live. Portia, what mercy can you render him, Antonio? Graciano, a halter gratis, nothing else for God's sake. Antonio, so please my lord the duke and all the court to quit the fine for one half of his goods, I am content, so he will let me have the other half in use to render it upon his death unto the gentleman that lately stole his daughter. Two things provided more, that for this favor he presently become a Christian. The other, that he do record a gift here in the court of all he dies possessed under his son Lorenzo and his daughter. Duke, he shall do this, or else I do recant the pardon that I late pronounced here. Portia, art thou contented, Jew? What dost thou say, Shylock? I am content. Portia, clerk, draw a deed of gift. Shylock, I pray you give me leave to go from hence. I am not well. Send a deed after me, and I will sign it. Duke, get thee gone, but do it. Graciano. In christening shalt thou have two godfathers. Had I been judged, thou shouldst have had ten more to bring thee to the gallows, not to the font. Shylock exits. So, what is this scene about? 
First of all, it's about a conflict, as all drama is. Here, not a conflict between two characters, Shylock and Antonio, but between two principles, the law or justice on the one hand and generous human feeling or mercy on the other. It's also about the relationship between law and order. Law brings order to society, but law can also bring disorder. It's also about the bonds we have or make and the obligations they create. It's about the irony of seeking justice. We all want justice on our behalf, but do we want to be subject to justice ourselves without mercy? Finally, this scene's about the destructiveness of seeking revenge. These are all concerns found frequently in Shakespeare's plays. The word revenge appears in 35 of Shakespeare's 38 plays, in comedies and histories as well as tragedies. Commonly, too, appears the word bond, sometimes positively, sometimes negatively. When Cordelia in King Lear tells her father, in contrast to her conniving dishonest sisters, that she loves him, quote, according to her bond, no more, no less, end quote, we both admire her honesty and wince at it. So to justice. Treat every man as he deserves, Hamlet declares. Who among us would escape whipping? And as for mercy and generous human feeling, when in the tempest Prospero has his enemies where he wants them, the spirit Ariel urges him to forbear his vengeance, saying, quote, I would pity them, master, if I were human, end quote. In each of these instances, where we see Shakespeare at his finest, Shakespeare contrives circumstances indeed contrive stories, or borrow stories, to embody these matters in dramatic form. In The Merchant of Venice, he embodies these concerns in a story about a Jewish moneylender and a Christian borrower. Behind this decision is a larger paradigm, nearly as old as Christianity itself. The paradigm which views the Old Testament God as a God of judgment and the law, and the New Testament God as a God of mercy. This contrast exists within Christianity itself, as the God of the Old Testament isn't just the God of Judaism, but is Christianity's God as well, often invoked by Christians. A story contrived with a conflict between two Christians one of the Old Testament God and one of the New Testament God, could serve the purpose for which Shakespeare and the Merchant of Venice enlists, without Judaism's consent, a Jew and a Christian. And we might wish he had, as just as the paradigm of an Old Testament God of judgment and a New Testament God of mercy is as old as Christianity, so too is Christian anti-Semitism and the dramatic structure that requires a Jew to be the villain in the midst of a Christian world isn't going to easily avoid the appearance of anti-Semitism, whether intended or not. It becomes even more difficult when anti-Semitism is clearly present in the play, and it is clearly present in The Merchant of Venice. 
I've already touched on it. Antonio not only acknowledges that he has spit on Shylock and that he would do it again, but has berated Shylock for being a misbeliever, that is, for being a Jew. We need to ask, then, if the play believes Antonio to be right in spitting on Shylock as a Jew. If so, the Merchant of Venice might well be thought of as an example of anti-Semitism, however admirable it might be in other respects. But if not, if the anti-Semitism of Antonio and many others in the play isn't justified by the play, but rather critiqued by the play, in addition to its other admirable aspects, the Merchant of Venice might be valued as an examination of anti-Semitism that allows its audience to reject anti-Semitism while embracing the play. The Merchant of Venice must be looked at in its entirety to judge it one way or the other in this respect. We've looked at only one scene, albeit the most telling of the play, so here, let me only look at two or three instances within this scene. The first is the exclamation by Bassanio's friend Graciano when the tables turn against Shylock. Quote, now, infidel, I have you on the hip. End quote. This is an almost exact repetition of Shylock's thought in Act One when he says to himself of Antonio, quote, if I can catch him once upon the hip, I will feed the fat grudge I bear him, end quote. A director might have the actor playing Graciano speak the line, Now, infidel, I have you on the hip, to emphasize that Graciano is only throwing back into Shylock's face Shylock's own words. But this would be wrong. Neither Graciano nor anyone else heard these words when they were spoken by Shylock, for he spoke them to himself. No, these are Graciano's words, and they show him to be no different than Shylock. This has been Shylock's claim all along, that he is treating Antonio no differently than Christians have treated him and would treat him again, given the chance, only because he is a Jew. Antonio has said so himself. More significant, at least to me, are the first words Portia speaks when she enters the courtroom. Which is the merchant here, she asks, and which the Jew? This could be a laugh line if Shylock is presented with all the stereotypes of a Jew, hooked nose and all, and I don't doubt that for centuries this scene was done so. But I wouldn't stage it so, nor do I think Shakespeare intended it so. Both Antonio and Shylock are men of business. Take away the labels and they aren't so distinguishable. It isn't Portia who insists in the end that Shylock become Christian, but Antonio. Is this a comic closure to a comic scene, or a revelation of vindictiveness on Antonio's part, now that he has Shylock on the hip, it is up to the director and actor to decide. I know how I would direct it. But if I were to direct this line as I wish, would it solve all the problems of The Merchant of Venice? Not hardly. 
Shakespeare simply has too many balls in the air. For one thing, the audience could leave the theater fuming that this line has been delivered all wrong, that the line should be delivered such and such a way, and that the play is really such and such. I hope that when next you attend a performance of The Merchant of Venice, you will retire to the nearest Boar's Head Tavern for just such arguments. My recommendation is that you let someone else go first, then argue the opposite. Until next time, I'm Dr. J.